Welcome back to our study of the Beatitudes. We are looking at the second Beatitude today in Matthew 5, 4, where Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, the first question we want to ask here is, who are those who mourn? And of course, second, why are they mourning? Now, remember that the Beatitudes uh, function as a whole. They are not several independent statements about different kinds of people and different kinds of blessing that those different people will receive. They are a whole. They are a unit. They work together and they are to be interpreted together. Remember the first beatitude says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last beatitude says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And by beginning and ending with the statement that these people will inherit the kingdom of heaven, that's a signal to us that the whole group of the Beatitudes, this whole section, is about who is going to inherit the kingdom. And there are more and more um, parallels between all these verses, and we'll note more of those as we go through this study. But the, the form of each beatitude, blessed are blank, for they blank, right? That pattern, along with that beginning and ending with the uh, statement they'll inherit the kingdom of God and, and other things, all those signal to us that Jesus intends for us to understand these as a group, as a whole, as a unit. So those who mourn are not different than those who are poor in spirit. In fact, this is one of the things that was so helpful to me from the sermons of Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, that he preached on the Sermon on the Mount uh, really helped me understand how these Beatitudes work. Not only do they um, refer to the same people, so those who are poor in spirit and those who mourn and those who are meek and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and so on, not only are those all about the same people, but Lloyd-Jones pointed out there's also a progression that we see here, especially in the first uh, maybe half of the Beatitudes. So who are those who mourn? They are those who are poor in spirit, meaning they've recognized their spiritual poverty. They know they have nothing to offer God. They have no reason for God to um, accept them or welcome them into his kingdom. They are uh, spiritually poor. They are sinners. Right? They are corrupt before God. Their, their hearts are not pure. And they have recognized this about themselves. And that leads them then to mourn. That's what the second beatitude is about. Blessed are those who mourn, meaning those who mourn their spiritual poverty. Those who mourn uh, their spiritual bankruptcy. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the first one to use those phrases, right, to um, refer to what it means to be poor in spirit. Spiritual poverty, spiritual bankruptcy, that is what they are mourning. They are mourning their sin. They are mourning their position before God as those who are unworthy to be in His presence and unworthy to uh, be a part of His kingdom and to participate in His kingdom. So, that leads us to another question, right? What kind of mourning are we talking about? When Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, we might say at first, well, isn't that everybody? 
Doesn't everybody mourn something? Doesn't everybody mourn, uh, you know, when they lose a loved one or when something uh, terrible happens in their life or happens to people they know, happens to um, their country or something like that? Uh, wouldn't this refer to everybody? And of course, uh, if Jesus meant, blessed are all people who ever mourn about anything, for they shall be comforted, then he would be teaching a, a form of universalism, right? Because we've said this whole passage is about those who inherit the kingdom of God. So if those who inherit the kingdom are the same as those who are comforted. And so if everybody is going, if everybody who mourns is going to inherit the kingdom and everybody mourns about something, then that would indicate that everybody was going to inherit the kingdom. But of course, that's not what Jesus is saying. We can tell from his teaching as a whole, he doesn't teach universalism. The end of this sermon in Matthew chapter 7, he talks about those whom the Lord will say uh, to them, I never knew you, depart from me. He talks about those whose house will crash down because they built it on sand instead of on the rock because they didn't do his teaching. So he's not saying that everybody is going to inherit the kingdom. He is talking about a particular kind of of mourner, right? Again, this is why we have to keep the context in mind. If we just took this one verse, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted, and we took that one verse completely out of context and tried to understand it, we would almost certainly misunderstand it. But keeping it in context, reading it in light of the earlier verses, the later verses, reading it in the context of Jesus's ministry, and really the whole Bible, right, helps us to grasp and understand correctly what Jesus is saying. Again, this is about the kind of person who's going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's about the kind of person who is blessed by God. It's all about one kind of person. And so, as we said, this is about the kind of person who, this is about the, the person who mourns over their sin. Paul helps um, clarify this for us. Now, he, he's not talking about this beatitude in particular, but he helps distinguish between two different kinds of grief, right? Which is obviously similar to mourning. Here's what he says. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. He says, As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. And if I'm remembering the context of this passage correctly, Paul is talking about the fact that he had grieved them by a letter he wrote where he rebuked them about some things. And so he says, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. I'm not happy that I made you feel bad, but I am happy that you feeling bad led to you repenting. And then here, here's the distinction that, that helps us with this beatitude. He says, for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So Paul says there's two kinds of grief. Everybody's grieved, right? There are those who are grieved by their sin simply because it's been found out or because they're suffering the consequences of that sin or whatever. But that grief does not lead to repentance. It's a worldly grief. It's not a grief that comes from, you know, uh, not wanting 
to dishonor God or, or being cut to the heart because you know you have sinned against God and because you know that sin cuts you off from God and you want to be forgiven and you want to have fellowship with God and you want to be in his presence and you want to be in his kingdom. It's not that kind of grief. It's a grief that's just sad you got caught, upset that you're having to suffer the consequences. Paul says that's worldly grief and it leads to death. Godly grief, on the other hand, leads to repentance. Godly grief is when you are cut up over your sin and you want to change. You turn. Your, your mind changes. You're not, you don't want to do that thing anymore. You don't want to live that way anymore. You don't want to repeat that behavior, that sin, that um, error, that, uh, that act of rebellion, or, or whatever it may be. And that godly grief that leads to repentance also leads to salvation, right? Repentance, it leads to salvation. We turn from sin, we trust in Christ, and we receive the salvation of God. That's what Paul's talking about. So worldly grief doesn't lead to repentance, and as a result, it just leaves us in in death and judgment. But godly grief leads to repentance and therefore to salvation. So we can apply that same distinction in a, in a similar way to mourning, right? If those who uh, mourn over their sin can do so in two ways, right? They can have a, a worldly mourning and they can have a godly mourning. Right? They can mourn over their sin in the sense that they're sad that they can't do what they want and escape the consequences. They're sad that they can't go their own way, do their own thing, and ignore God and experience all the blessings of God. They might mourn over that, but that's not the kind of person Jesus is saying is a mourner who's going to be comforted. Instead, he's saying the kind of person who mourns with a godly mourning, a godly grief, the kind of person who mourns over their sin, and uh, as we'll see you know, in a couple, couple verses down later, as a result of mourning over their sin, they hunger and thirst for righteousness. They want to be right with God and they want to do right, right? They repent. That kind of person who mourns in that way, Jesus says, is going to be comforted. Now, if that feels like I'm kind of stretching Jesus's words and, and sort of pulling in Paul to make Jesus say something he's not saying, let's remember the bigger context here and go back just uh, a couple of paragraphs or so to Matthew 4:17 where Jesus is beginning his public ministry and what's the first thing he says verse 17 of chapter 4 says from that time Jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand in other words Jesus has come and so he's brought the kingdom of God near and so he's saying the way you respond to this good news, the way you get ready to receive, inherit, enter this kingdom that I have brought near is by repenting. You need to repent because you're poor in spirit, you're spiritually bankrupt. You need to repent. right? And where does repentance come from? Well, repentance comes from not only being aware of your spiritual poverty, but also of grieving it, being bothered by it, mourning over it, that leads you to repentance, which is what Paul was talking about. So this is we're not forcing Paul's words onto Jesus's words to make Jesus mean something he didn't mean. We're using Paul's words to help us shed light on what Jesus is saying 
and, it, and we know that we're on the right track because it fits with what Jesus himself says in the context, right? The good news that he's come to proclaim is the nearness of the kingdom and the necessary response to enjoy that good news is repentance, is turning from sin to God. And that's what Jesus is expounding on in these first two Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are the ones who receive the blessing of God. Why? Because they are going to inherit the kingdom of God. How is it that those who are poor in spirit are going to inherit the kingdom of God? Well, it's because they're going to, they're going to mourn their spiritual poverty, right? And those who mourn their spiritual poverty repent over their sin, their brokenness, and their rebellion against God. And so, what's going to happen to them? He says, they will be comforted. Now, notice this is a statement of something that's going to happen in the future. It doesn't say they are comforted, but they shall be comforted. This is going to happen in the future. Now, in some sense, right, we receive comfort when we mourn our sin and we turn to Jesus. We begin to experience the comfort that God gives to those who are his children, to those who are heirs of the kingdom, even now, because we know our sin is forgiven. We know we've been united to Christ. We know um, that we now have fellowship with God. And so that comfort begins even now. But ultimately what Jesus is talking about is the comfort that will come when the kingdom comes in its fullness. Remember, Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. It's here now. He brought it. He um, inaugurated it. Right. He began the uh, the reign of God on earth that His death and resurrection brings to pass. But ultimately, the kingdom is going to come in its fullness at the return of Christ, when the King Himself comes back and establishes His reign finally and forever upon the earth, and brings in the new creation that John tells us about in Revelation 21 when he says. Uh, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the ultimate comfort for all those who mourn is going to come in that new creation that Jesus will bring all of his people into after his return. And here's how that comfort is described in Revelation 21, verse 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Notice all those things he says that will pass away and be wiped away and be no more, they are all connected to sin. Right? We mourn over our sin. Right? People die because of sin. The wages of sin is death. Adam and Eve brought uh, death into the world by their sin. Pain is a part of the world because of sin. The woman's pain was multiplied in childbearing. Adam was told that um, in pain he would uh, eat bread as he sweat uh, working the ground. So pain, uh, death, mourning, crying, all those things, tears, all those things exist because of sin. They are a part of our lives because of sin. And John is telling us through the book of Revelation, there's coming a day when the kingdom comes when we will not experience those things anymore. The presence of sin 
will be no more in our lives and in the new creation. It won't be a part of it. So there won't be mourning. There won't be crying. There won't be pain. There will be nothing for us to be grieved over anymore because we will be totally free from sin as we are glorified, made perfectly like Jesus in his presence. That's what Jesus is talking about. Remember, the whole thing is about who will inherit the kingdom and what it will be like for those who inherit the kingdom. That's the blessing he's talking about. And the particular blessing he mentions here is the comfort that will be ours in the kingdom because not only we, but the creation itself will be free from sin and free from the curse that came as a consequence of sin. We will be fully comforted in the presence of God as we dwell with him forever. But to get there, we have to recognize our spiritual poverty now and mourn now. It might not seem to the world like people who are grieved over their sin are the kind of people who are blessed. But Jesus says those are exactly the kind of people who are blessed because those are the people who are going to inherit the kingdom. And it's only in the kingdom, in the presence of God, in the new creation, that true, full, complete comfort will come. Praise God for his grace.